0: Welcome to episode 56 of Do The Woo. I'm your co-host, Jonathan Wold, and with me is the fantastic Bob
1: Dunn. Bob, how are you? I'm fantastic. <laughs> thought, you know, that was pretty lame, wasn't it? I mean, I don't I don't call myself fantastic. No, I'm feeling fantastic, you know. <laughs>
2: it's
0: always, I always look forward to these. Uh, 56 episodes, too, making some good progress. How, how are you feeling, Bob, with the weekly format?
1: I am feeling good. You know, in fact, I've actually thrown in a couple extra episodes and sometimes I get tempted. I think, oh, you know, maybe this week I should do another extra one and find something interesting to do off on the side. And so, so yeah, it's, I, I like the weekly. It's, uh, it's just the continuity is a lot better. Excellent. Well, I'm
0: excited about today's guests. Before we get to that though, Bob, we have a couple of sponsors.
1: Yeah, we do. Of course we have WooCommerce, our community sponsor, uh, You know where you can find WooCommerce, but you got to check out their new WooCommerce payment. I I, that's one thing I'll throw in that I think that um yeah this this has recently come out in the latest version through the wizard, and yeah if you're looking for a you know solution as far as payment gateway that's it's slick it's in your dashboard you can see what's going on so there's there's a lot of reasons to check that out and then we have a new sponsor recapture io they're an abandoned cart and email marketing solution and wp activity log formerly wp security audit log they're really focused on the activity log of your WooCommerce site, what shop managers and customers are doing. So you'll want to check them out at WPActivityLog.com. You'll hear more about the sponsors later in the show, but uh, why don't I swing it on back to you, Jonathan?
0: Awesome. Well, I'm excited about our guests today. We have with us Hans Skillrud and Donata. Welcome, both of you. It's good to have you with us.
3: Thank you so much. We're very happy to be here and very excited to talk about privacy.
0: Because
2: who isn't? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, as I was saying before the show, I, I'm excited about the opportunity for it to become an exciting topic because I think there's a lot of potential there, especially with a name like uh, Termageddon. What's that? <laughs> yes.
2: Well, thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, we'll, we'll try to keep it as interesting as possible. Um we, do, we have a name like Termageddon because we like to keep it light, break the ice a little bit, and then jump into the details. Um, it turns out there are people in this world that do monitor privacy laws and help other companies get protected.
0: That's awesome. Now, before we get into that specifically, one of the things that I was really curious about, Hans, is your own background in WooCommerce. This is a show about WooCommerce. Uh, the, what the work that you guys are doing is applicable just broadly in the world of the web and WordPress, but- yeah, I would love to hear about how did you first get involved in the world of WooCommerce? What's your experience been like? How do you, as Bob would say it, do the Woo?
2: <laughs> so before Termageddon, I was running a 12 person web agency in downtown Chicago. Um, and it wasn't twelve people to start. Uh that was what I built it up to over the course of seven years. Um, it started with just me and a computer and a little bit more time on my hands than I'd like to admit. Um, and uh, you know, Project after project, I found myself building confidence um, in my WordPress skills. Mm. Um, and then a client came along, asked for an e-commerce website. Uh, I charged too little and did way too much, uh, but I accomplished the goal at hand and learned an amazing, uh, amazing tool. Now, WooCommerce was around, obviously, before then, but uh, for me, it was brand new, and I felt like I struck gold um, <laughs> finding the WooCommerce solution. Uh, but, yeah, from then, at that point, probably seven years ago, um, I built up a 12-person agency. Um, about 25% of our projects were e-commerce. Mm. Uh, um, in fact, we built a lot of uh, what are called standard operating procedures internally. Um, whenever taking on an e-commerce project, we would, you know, have our client, you know, agree to our standard operating procedures to help them know that, you know, building WooCommerce makes it very easy to get an e-commerce store online. Yeah. You, the small business owner who may be more of a brick and mortar mindset, um, also need to uh, invest your own time and energy into um, learning. You know, this is a whole new avenue of revenue for your business, and you need to treat it as such. This isn't just a you know, oh, a sale comes in and I just you know try to get around to it. No, like you have to have people in place to facilitate orders and handle all that. So, um, you know, I've worked with WooCommerce both on what I kind of just described there with more of the startup. Uh, type people that might have an existing business entering into the e-commerce world. Uh, WooCommerce has been a fantastic solution. And then we've handled large-scale – well, I shouldn't say large-scale because I think that's interpretable. For me, large-scale um, uh, programs where uh, WooCommerce was serving as the backbone to the entire e-commerce experience for its users and administrators. Uh, it's been wonderful the whole time. So
0: That's fantastic. And oh, what about you, Donata?
3: Uh, So I actually worked at an agency before too, and um, this is how Hans and I met. I was the chief operating officer of an agency in Chicago, and then Hans ended up buying that agency. Um, And we actually built quite a few websites using uh, WooCommerce as well. Um, I think specifically one of the projects that we were working on, it was like a game to be played where you would guess the name of a wine that you were drinking. It's like blind wine tasting. Um, and we were creating, well, we weren't creating, but our client created this product where it was like a box that came with a game and all the things that you needed. Um, and he actually ended up selling that through his website using WooCommerce. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was a great experience, too, because you can adapt it so well to exactly what you need. Like, it's very customizable. But then also at the same time. You know, it's not so difficult where it takes, you know, a week to program something in. So I think it's a wonderful solution.
1: How did you get from a licensed attorney to an agency? That's what I'm curious about.
3: (laughs) So when I was in school, I had this super boring class called Property Law. And I was sitting next to one of my friends and we would just spend half the class like IMing each other. And he was working at an agency as a salesperson Um, And he said they needed somebody to do operations. And I was like, you know what? Like, I'm not doing anything after school apart from studying. You know, I could put in a few days a week there. Um, And it just kind of ballooned from there. So it was very uh, serendipitous, I would say.
2: Well, you became a licensed attorney at 21, right? Yeah. So so, you must have been doing that at 20 years old.
3: Yeah. So I became a licensed attorney like roughly a year after I started there, I think. Um yeah, and then after that Hans bought the company, so that's that's how everything worked out, I guess <laughs>
0: <laughs> so you guys have this agency background, both the separate agencies started working together. How did you make the transition into the the world of privacy policies where did Where did that come into the mix?
2: yeah uh for me uh I was building. Websites for clients, and about three days before site launch, my client would ask, What should I do for a privacy policy? And I, kidding, I felt like it was three days before any site launch. And they would ask me, What should I do for a privacy policy? And I would say, I have no idea. I'm not an attorney. And before I know it, um, I'm scrounging around looking to copy and paste a template from a competitor, or I'm going to a generator online, or I'm trying to get them connected with an attorney. Um, Copy and paste the template um, obviously is. Probably not a good idea, especially where this where the world is heading with the privacy laws that are being added. Um, yes. I certainly wouldn't want to provide something and say you're good to go, and then they get sued or fined, and then they'll come back to you. Um, when it comes to using other generators, uh, you know, I was ha- I happened to be dating a privacy attorney at the time, and she su- showed me some of the uh, pitfalls or challenges maybe they were having with their at own the tools.
3: time, but not anymore. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> Long story short, she's now my fiance and yeah. sitting next yeah. to me and yeah. as the president of Termageddon. Um but yeah, you know, we were I was sharing this with her over dinner and, and your side too. Uh, yeah,
3: so for me, after the agency that I worked for was bought out, I went into private practice um because at the time I got my license here in Illinois. And I was working with agencies writing contracts for their um projects. And you know i would get my clients telling me three days before site launch you know this client needs a privacy policy can you help um you know usually i wouldn't have the ability to turn something around in three days because that's not very realistic when you're a lawyer with multiple clients who yeah have done um and then i kind of noticed when i was writing these policies is getting kind of monotonous so i was working with small business clients so they all had very similar websites and I was asking them very similar questions about their privacy practices, and using very similar language for my clients as well. Um, and I kind of noticed that it just wasn't necessarily worth the cost. Um, and I thought, you know, what a great idea would it be to automate this? Because I'm sick of writing the same thing over and over again. Um, and I, I felt like technology could integrate really well. Um, so, yeah, Hans and I were talking about it one night over dinner, and that's how the idea for Termagetting came
2: out and this was this was all the way back in 2016 so this was before gdpr even existed um this was before california proposed their second privacy bill uh and nevadas and you know quite a few others and and to you know fast forward to now and and, you know we are updating our policies like it seems like every two months because of amendments to existing privacy laws or new privacy laws going into effect
3: or new regulations or new changing. regulations
2: yeah
0: yeah so i'm i'm going to ask this somewhat tongue in cheek uh but but still i think will represent what a lot of folks may feel about this P- privacy policies like why does it even matter no one reads them anyway
3: yeah i mean it i think it's funny right like no one reads them anyway i think that was a true statement like 3 years ago like Yeah, three years ago, nobody read them. Um, But now a recent study came out saying that 52% of Americans won't use the platform if they feel like it's not respecting their privacy. They won't buy, they will leave your website, they won't use your products, they won't purchase your services. Um, So something changed uh, in our collective consciousness as a country, and I think the Cambridge Analytica scandal did that. Um, So the Cambridge Analytica scandal kind of, propelled privacy forward in the United States. Um, so at that time, you know, before then consumers didn't understand what was done with their data, didn't really care about it, thought it was just taken and whatever. Um, and ever since Cambridge Analytica, more people are looking into the privacy practices of businesses, but really even potentially more importantly, they're pushing their legislators um, to pass privacy laws um, that would protect their personal information. So. You know, while three years ago, nobody read them, um, you know, the sentiment has completely changed to now. Hmm.
2: And I like to, and I appreciate that type of question because we, we don't get anywhere as individuals if, if we don't ask the question that you're kind of like, why do I, why should I even care about this? And and I think Donato's points are, are important. Um, privacy is growing. It's becoming more important, not less important over time. And even if we as individuals don't even care about our own individual privacy, The fact is, is more and more privacy laws are being introduced that are going to give more and more citizens rights. Um, So citizens are going to have more rights, whether we care about privacy or not, and businesses, whether they like it or not, will have to comply with them, uh, comply with these privacy laws. Otherwise, they could be fined or even sued. So for example, New York is proposing a bill that will enable their citizens to sue any business of any size located anywhere, just for having as little as a contact form on their website without a compliant privacy policy. Um, So even though there might not be that many people today that um, or like, maybe the individual may not be thinking privacy is really not that big of a deal. It seems like the, the trend is absolutely headed in the direction of more privacy rights are going to be issued to more people. And that point in time, we'll see maybe more people will care as well.
1: And that seems like to me, it's from the website owner, the, the store owner, whoever it is that owns the site to even question, well, if nobody, you know, reads my privacy nobody reads my disclaimer, what's the point? Well, it seems like that protection is, is very obvious too, because if you've stated in your privacy policy, or for example, my d- disclaimer, you know, there's a lot of things I have in there that, I flip back over when people say something or ask me something I say have you checked my disclaimer or have you checked this and oh no well it's like yeah you know it is there so it's so I'm wondering it's it, it's kind of a they're kind of biting themselves in the butt if they're thinking you know it, I mean they of course they want to make sure customers and they're following the laws but they also want to keep their own tails covered as well this episode is brought to you by ReCapture, Abandoned Cart Recovery, and Email Marketing for WooCommerce. Anyone who runs a Woo shop knows how frustrating abandoned carts are, and getting them back with ReCapture is easy and setup takes less than five minutes. With their ready-to-use emails, you can take them out of the box and start working for you right away. You'll save time having to start from scratch. Abandoned cart emails are managed for you automatically as the email service runs outside of your store ensuring the best delivery to your customers. Their easy to read analytics reports will help you to monitor your cart recovery. And what's really cool is that you can watch what is happening live on your store with Recapture's live cart feed. The plugin is highly optimized so you don't have to worry about it slowing down your site. And their guarantee of email delivery, traffic increased loads, and support make it a valuable investment compared to all those free plugins out there. From what I hear, if you sign up, you'll be joining thousands of merchants who have already recovered over $115 million. Make sure and check them out. And as a listener, get 60 days free with ReCapture. Just go to recapture.io forward slash do the woo dash special. And now back to our conversation.
0: Bob, that actually brings up a good point. From my point of view, one of the challenges with these things in general is that these policies, these pages, these documents tend to be very inaccessible in terms of uh, not that you can literally get to it, but how it's written and how applicable it is. It's pretty common. Like, I, I feel more often than not, if I were to actually go read a privacy policy, I would either find who they copied and pasted it from, or would find things where they clearly didn't finish filling out the blanks, and 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 that just overall gives a pretty low confidence. Uh, I, every now and then, take something like documentation; it's one of those things that a lot of a lot of SaaS products, et cetera, will you know you can tell who really puts the effort into it or not. And in general, one of the reasons why people won't, at least in my experience, won't spend the time investing in reading something is that they feel it's a pretty low confidence that's going to be useful or applicable to their situation. I can see how that can be addressed, but in my experience, that was part of it where I, I, I read a few privacy policies like, okay, you guys didn't even finish this. Like, what's the, what's the point? But what I'm hearing you guys say is part of that's the time thing. Like people, it's becoming more relevant. People are recognizing the need more to care about it. And from my point of view, there's not just the protection and covering yourself. There's also an opportunity there to work, to bring, to convey a message that's in line or that doesn't need to be disconnected from your brand experience where it can be an opportunity to educate them. I'm curious for your thoughts on, on that, right? Like you're dealing with generators and this, this, you know, how do you standardize the parts that need to be standardized, but how can you at the same time make it like, what are your thoughts on how you make it accessible to people or, or um, not feel so cookie-cutter from one to the next?
3: For sure. Um, So I think one great example of this is compliance with the U.S.-EU Privacy Shield framework. Um, So it's basically a framework that allows companies to take data from the European Union to the United States. And a few years back, a bunch of companies decided that they were going to comply with the Privacy Shield and air quotes. I forgot that this wasn't exactly video on the final format. Um, that they were going to comply with the privacy shield framework by saying that their privacy policy is complying and then do literally nothing about it, which is wrong. Mm. Um, And basically, some of these privacy policies are still floating around from back in the day, and people are copying and pasting them and saying that they comply with this framework. Well, the Federal Trade Commission decided to crack down on this practice and has, you know, they do about 60 lawsuits per year about this particular framework. Because people copy and paste stuff, don't look at it, don't read it, and then put it on their site. Um, So copying and pasting somebody else's privacy policy without reading it and without making sure that it's exactly what your privacy practices are is actually considered unfair uh, trade practices to consumers, um, which can lead to very high fines in almost every state because you are deceiving a consumer about your practices. When it comes to having a generator, you can have a generator that asks somebody five questions. What information do you collect? What do you do with it? Who do you share with it? Do you use cookies? What's your contact information, right? And that's fine. You get those five questions and then you paste that on your website. And that's what you get when you were referring to something that's a poor product, a poor experience, both for the user and for the company. That's what those generators do what we decided to do is something quite different. Um, So we actually start our process by figuring out what privacy laws apply to you. And then we will ask very granular information. So not just like what purposes you get this from, but that you use this information for, but depending on what laws apply to you, what sources do you get it from? Who do you share it? Do you sell it? Who do you share it with? So we actually will have, dozens and dozens of questions depending on what laws apply to you and hundreds of thousands of different combinations. So you don't necessarily get the same privacy policy, you know, cookie cutter, this website gets the same thing, that website gets the same thing. No, you're actually making sure that, you know, we know what laws apply to you, that you have all of the required disclosures when it comes to that particular law. And that your privacy policy is completely customized to your website and to your privacy practices.
2: Do you want to speak on um, the efforts of making our uh, policies um, readable at a fifth grade reading level? Oh, interesting. yeah.
3: <laughs> it's going to be an endless project for me because the laws keep on changing. Every time I catch up, something changes <laughs> and then I have to redo it all over again. But... Eventually, my idea is to take the policies and make them readable at a fifth-grade reading level, um, and each policy can be read in 15 minutes or less. Um, so you actually take the policy itself, take all of the disclosure requirements that the laws require you to make, and then translate that into something that's readable, and then run it through a software to make sure that it is readable, because something that's readable for me isn't necessarily readable for a fifth grader. I hope. Um, so, you know, I, I finally got to the point where I got, you know, most of them translated into this readable format, and then, you know, the California Consumer Privacy Act went into effect, and then it all just went out the window. Which by.
2: was uh, huge, but it's it's something we're yeah. actively uh, working on to increase the accessibility within our within the tool we provide to clients. How do we make this? readable by a fifth grade, at uh, a fifth grade education and have it be comprehended in under 15 minutes. And we're actually shooting for under five, but 15 minutes okay. is because unfortunately, there are some privacy laws that require a whole bunch of disclosures, yeah. whether we like it or not.
0: One of the things I'm, I'm curious about on that is like oftentimes when privacy policies and things like are brought up, you know, first it often, it's often painful for folks because they don't have policies and procedures in place to deal with like the, the personally identifiable identifiable information they just they don't have some of the the operate, that stuff set up operationally so but overall though in your experience like what are some of the benefits to businesses cuz often it's conveyed from the cover yourself protect yourself and and at least some business owners are like oh, I don't want to worry about that like why do I spend my time worrying about what could go wrong i want to focus on value to my customer I'm curious. Like you, you deal with this a lot from the perspective of value to the customer, and increasing the value that a business is providing. Like, what what, do you, what have you guys seen? Like, how how can you think of how can you help frame this in the positive
2: rather than just yeah? I would love to take this. So, um, Damn and, it, I, really I know to take this. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you both can speak to anyway. it. <laughs> so, as someone who's now been fully immersed in privacy, yeah. uh, I can say that. It is an exciting time to know that one day, I'm in Illinois, one day I will have the right to tell companies to get rid of my data, and they'll have to listen. Mm. I know that might not seem like a big deal, but that is a big deal, that you as a human being have a right to tell companies to get rid of my data. So I think, why is this a benefit? It's a benefit to humanity um, in terms of the right to privacy, and it's a huge step forward in that. We, may, not be, we might, may have our eyes glazed over and be like, why do I care about this? I certainly was of that mindset for a very long time, but I think that is changing. I think people are waking up to just how easily their privacy can be removed from their lives if they aren't careful about it. But now they will have the right to go back and say, I want my, I want my information to be withheld uh, or I want you to delete my information and so forth like that. Um, there's two benefits that immediately come to mind for why a company may want to disclose this information. One is well. How does someone get to the website in the first place? Uh, very, uh, very often, people use search engine optimization to be found in uh, uh, to be found through relevant keywords. Um, although it's not set in, set in stone, everyone believes that having a privacy policy can help increase your uh, search engine optimization because a, a privacy policy builds trust, which is one of the ranking factors that Google looks for. And even when you're running Google Ads, you can see your your ad score gets lowered if you don't have a privacy policy. And if you add one, it, it raises. So there's a lot of signs that suggest that there's SEO benefit in helping you bring in more traffic to your website in the first place. Now, how does it convey value to the client? It shows that you are on top of your game. I feel like at this point in time, I think in the, I think five years from now, everyone's going to have one. And just like an SSL certificate, five years ago, it was kind of nice to have. Now we look at websites that are not safe and we're like, I feel unsafe visiting this web.
0: That's a good example.
2: I think five years from now, we're going to look at it being like, wow, I think websites that don't have a privacy policy are really weird. These are companies taking my data. They're not going to tell me what they're going to do with it. I don't trust it. So, But even uh, backtracking it just to today, what you're showcasing to people is that you are on. You are respectful of their privacy. You care about the privacy enough to write out and disclose like what you want to do with it. And I think that's what separates the generators that are unfilled and incomplete to like the the policies that are actually comprehensive and, and disclosing. Here are your rights as a human being on our platform.
0: Awesome. Donata, anything that you'd add or say differently?
2: Yeah, I think I
3: personally want to add that consumers are looking for this stuff now. Um, you know, whereas before they would just click agree, whatever. Um, now they actually look for it. Um, so a study by Cisco uh, found that. Um, privacy can cause sales delays of seven to eight weeks. Um, that's the time frame. Um, so I'm sure that people don't want to lose business because they didn't have a privacy policy. Um, same thing goes for websites. I mean, consumers will leave websites, will leave platforms that don't respect their privacy for platforms that do. Um, you know, and when it comes to comparing yourself to your competitor, if the only difference between you two is that you care about privacy and they don't. Um, You know, those are customers that you're going to be gaining. Um, So it's something that people look out for now and care about. And I think that as businesses, we all have the responsibility to care about it, too, because our customers care about it.
1: One of the things I find interesting, and you were talking about the generated policies, and you've kind of found that, that sweet spot where you're adding a little bit something more to it. And, you know, I think of privacy policies and other documents that you basically create as, I mean, they're legal documents and that's why they're not as involved. I mean, you know, they, we can't get around that they're legal and they got to speak legalese to some effect. Have you found, or do you see people saying, well, you know, maybe, maybe I can kind of up the game by making my privacy policy a little creative or, you know, God forbid, sexy or something, where (laughs) where they, well, I don't know if anybody actually has ever taken the time or attempted this, where they start putting too much of themselves and their brand into the privacy policy, where it actually loses the purpose of it and loses its I guess it's legality. I mean, do you, have you seen that or is that something anybody even bothers with? Because I can see some, especially some people just, they feel like everything has to be significant to their brand. And, you know, if if it's my own voice and my own voice should come through my privacy policy, God forbid, you know, type of thing.
3: Yeah. It's, it's amazing. I've, I've seen a couple examples of this. Um, So one example that I see quite frequently is on contact forms where people will say, we promise we won't spam you or we'll send you love only or, you know, something like that. And that's insane because people define spam differently. Um, so there might be a legal definition of what spam is, and there might be your personal definition of what spam is. And that does not give the consumer any information whatsoever about what you do with, with their personal information. Are you going to send me email newsletters, or are you going to share my data, are you going to sell it, or like what purposes are you going to use it for? It just doesn't do anything. Um, So to me, that's that's a very irritating practice. And then another one that I see a lot in privacy policies themselves um, is the whole like, we respect your data, we don't share it with anyone, we don't sell it to anyone. And that's it. That's the entire privacy policy. Mm. And that does not meet the legal requirements of what a privacy policy needs to have. So you know, regardless of the fact that you might want to put your own spin on things and word things the way you might want them to be worded, the fact is is that some of these requirements are very strictly prescribed by privacy laws. And if you change the wording on them, you could be out of compliance and not meeting that particular disclosure requirement. So unless you know for a fact that what you're saying is meeting that disclosure requirement, how you're saying it, I really wouldn't want to Spend time putting this into like a, a beautiful novel format because that's that 's not what it's there for it's there to inform people and to be factual, not to entertain or be a representative of your brand. you know make sure that your privacy practices are solid before you care about how branded your privacy policy is
0: and it 's interesting too that within the world of commerce like folks understand this like you 're going to have a shipping policy, a refund policy. There's going to be policies that you and and it oftentimes you know it's perfectly appropriate. You'll find ways to convey the message within something that's appropriate for your brand, but yet you're still going to be clear on the details, right? right. Because at the end of the day, your refund policy needs to be clear, yes.
3: right? Exactly.
0: Even if it's broad and generous, that needs to be explicit. Absolutely.
3: Exactly. And and just because it says here at you know Butterfly Enterprises, we you know don't share your data with anyone, and it turns out that you send it to Mailchimp
1: you
2: know? Yeah. Yeah. So often we find that people say, well, I don't share my information with anyone. And we quickly find out, okay, when a form submission comes in, it's stored on your local server. Um, it is shared with your email provider. Um, and, and we, you know, shared and, and with an
3: email marketing tool yeah. and, and all of that. And yeah.
2: that's what helps us kind of unravel and like have people realize, wow, I never thought of this. I'll be honest. I, I didn't think of it either. Like I didn't even think of it when I created term again. And I was like, well, oh, yeah, sure. I yeah, no, I absolutely. Well, yeah not as the newsletter editor for the American Bar Association. So yeah, she, she's the credibility. I'm, I'm the lost puppy, like in a forest trying <laughs> to find itself out. Like, but, but realizing that has been something that I, you, I see people's eyes open up when I take them through the setup process um, of setting up their policies through our questionnaire. They're like, I don't share it. I'm like, all right, well, let's, let's talk about this for a second. They're like, oh, wow. I share with five different entities. Um, and that, and that's a great example of just the uncovering and that the just the new world that we're heading into is that we've operated a million miles an hour um, just trying to be as optimized as possible as a society. And now we are stepping back and realizing, you know what, privacy is something we got to carry on the back of our shoulders because now it's legally required.
1: This episode is brought to you by WP Activity Log, formerly WP Security Audit Log. Now this is something all store owners need to do, stay on top of things with a detailed log of all store and product changes. Their comprehensive activity logs that you can use with WooCommerce keeps you on top of what is going on with your shop managers and your team. You'll be able to monitor and record when they make changes to products, orders, and coupons. And notably, it will help you with your store compliances. They make it easy to troubleshoot when there is something going on. In fact, you'll be able to configure emails and instant SMS notifications to get alerted of critical changes. Now, I want to go a step further. You'll see who's logged in and what changes are being made in real time. And if needed, you can manage, limit, block, and even terminate any user sessions. This is perfect for membership or subscription sites as it can help you control limitations on single user access. There's a number of reports you can generate from the activity logs, and you're able to use the search and filters for troubleshooting. In a nutshell, stay on top of it all. What is going on, where, and when? No better way to manage your WooCommerce store. You can check them out at wpactivitylog.com and click on the activity log for WooCommerce. Now let's head on back to the show.
0: There's some interesting opportunities too, or interesting, interesting conversations to have in the world of commerce. When you take a platform like Woo, open source, and, and a lot of it's like how you choose to host it versus some of these proprietary platforms where, uh, and they can be explicit, but they, they also you should know, like, what what are they doing with the data? Is it yours? Is it theirs? Like, how is that working? And I think that can become a relevant discussion for
2: folks. An extremely relevant discussion. In fact, I think it will, it will swing businesses uh, to the extremes. I think some businesses will become very successful because they've respected privacy all the way through. And I think some businesses will have challenges. And I think some businesses are their DNA is in the kind of uh, hidden selling your data to brokers type model, um, which course, they will cr- be crushed.
3: Since we're on Zoom, should we talk about Zoom selling data? No, that's
2: too soon. Too soon. <laughs> but Bob... To speak to your thoughts, like I have come across policies where people are putting their own brand and their own messaging into that, into that wording. And I get it. Like I'm not an attorney, so like I get it. Like, okay, you're trying to have your voice and your your consistent messaging and everything. And just to reiterate Donata's point, you know, are you putting your brand into every single element of what you do in your life? Because maybe that's extreme and probably very expensive. You know, maybe it's policies like legal disclosures that you may want to have done perfect like done without sacrificing like or without you know going too far into questioning your brand, I guess.
1: Yeah. I another thing I, I wanted to touch on a little bit. Okay, so you have you have you can generate for privacy policy, terms and conditions, disclaimer and end user license license agreement. Yep. And you obviously have these separated out for a reason but and i've I've been guilty of this as well, so you can shame me and throw me in the corner of the room with my face against the wall. But they're probably it's probably a good idea, no matter your site, to keep those very four distinctively separate. I mean, when somebody wants to read your privacy policy, they should not also be going into disclaimer stuff as well, or, I mean, some of them are obviously need to sit by themselves, like end user license, license agreement. But I'm, I'm kind of guessing even maybe legal-wise or just um, user-wise that it's not ideal to combine e- any of these, even a couple of them.
3: Yeah. So um, most privacy laws actually state how your privacy policy needs to be displayed. Um, and essentially what that means is, you know, they'll talk about how big the link needs to be, what color it needs to be, what font, blah, blah, blah. And one of the main things that they say is that you should not combine privacy policies with terms of service or any other policies because it's confusing to the consumer. Also, the general data protection regulation, which is the European Union law, expressly prohibits um, combining a privacy policy with the terms of service because you can't Make somebody give their personal information to perform a contract, like a terms of service, unless it's absolutely necessary to do so. Um, so it's a couple of things, you know, privacy law saying that is prohibited, uh, privacy law saying that is confusing to individuals, uh, cases that show that you know if you had somebody agree to your privacy policy and terms of service at the same time, can't show consent for your privacy practices, which is an issue under some laws. And then attorney general regulation saying don't do it. Um, so, it's it's not a good idea all around because it's confusing and it's wrong from a legal perspective.
1: That makes sense, and you know I'm I'm going to revisit my site. Well, I've, I I will admit and, and tell everybody that I did I didn't have a chance to really get serious about it, but I did go through the privacy policy uh, process through Termageddon, uh before got on this show and I'm going to go back and tweak it some, but it was amazingly, I thought, man, you know, this, this, it's almost like it's one of those services when I actually experience it. It's like a no brainer, like duh, why wouldn't you just do this instead of dealing with, and even the end result, though, I didn't have it quite probably as specific as I should have. I, I I went through it. And like you said, it it's easy to read. It's uh, it's not, you know, Reams and reams of reams of content, and yeah, it's not in all caps. Yeah, it's yeah, (laughs) and it doesn't have these. I I can't even think of some of those things that are repeated over and over and over. But um, but it was um, yeah, it was it was very impressive, and uh, you know, it's. (laughs) I'm
3: very happy to hear that. Yeah,
1: and and I'm not even you know I sell very little on my site. And, but, you know, for, I write a lot and I, you know, do a contact form and all these different things. I'm thinking, man, this just, yeah, this is like one less headache because I remember getting the copy and paste. That's what I did with mine. And I, it was just a nightmare. I would look at it and think, I'd have to think through every paragraph. How does this relate to me? How do I make it relate to me? How do I make it and then you would find out, you'd go back later and found out you leave some one thing in from the copy and paste that just was either embarrassing or or probably totally screwed up the it as a legal document and stuff. So that wasn't um, the best way to do it, that's for sure.
2: Well, I appreciate you trying it out. It, and I think you hit on a very important point, which is that people are going to sit there and stress about their privacy policy solution until they find one. And then there's no more, there's usually no more stress, especially when that solution is one where you've built out a strategy to monitor and keep your policies up to date when the laws change. That's what I think is going to be the most annoying thing. Um, that especially we're going to see in America, there's just over a dozen States have proposed their own privacy bills to protect their own citizens. And each one of these privacy laws is unique. A few are mirrors from other, like other laws, but many of them are very unique. So, um, to stay on top of that, when you're getting sales from across state lines and having to process data of people differently, it's a nightmare. Um, it's a nightmare concept. But being able to-
0: well, let's talk about that. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about the world of commerce. You know, so, you you guys have background in that, uh, I guess, of the types of, of uh, websites that you'll work with today through Termageddon, What do you know? And kind of roughly, what percentage are commerce related versus just general?
2: I would say twenty percent are um are e-commerce.
0: Um, Anything that you'd say? Any insights or like perspectives you have on the world of commerce? Like you already alluded to one of them, which is the selling to, you know, if you're you could be selling to a lot of different places and yes, privacy policies unique to each. But yeah, what 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 insights do you have into the world of commerce specifically?
3: Um, yeah, I'd say like from my personal experience, a lot of people don't know what their cancellation or refund policies are. Ah. Um, like they really have no idea. Um, you know, like can a user get a refund? It's my store, but I don't know. Um, you know, that's something that you should really get down to what your refunds policy is instead of doing it on like a case-by-case basis, because that can be very time consuming. Um, so creating standard operating procedures and a refund policies is really important, at least in my opinion. Um, and then I also see a lot of people who are Um, using Stripe or, like, third-party payment processors. Um, And I think it's important for them to know that that should also be disclosed as well, Um, at least in your terms of service, that there's a third party collecting that information uh, because some business owners might not know that. (laughs) Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah, the insights I've gotten uh, that I've seen is that uh, the mass majority of people with e-commerce sites are using WooCommerce, Um, as the foundation to their e-commerce platform. And then the second most popular is Shopify. And then it is a steep drop-off. It's crazy. Like there's like just a few of like random ones I've never heard of. Um, So I thought that was kind of interesting as well. I think Donata hit a great point, which is that people come to generate their refund policy. uh, Well, within the terms of service, you can have a refund policy or a separate refund policy. But either way, you're coming to that policy thinking or not even knowing what that that is. And I think just naturally when, when getting an e-commerce website going, you are excited about marketing. You're excited about sales. You're excited about all the stuff that happens before the transactions actually made, but you got it. You got to think about the entire user experience from start to finish and finish isn't is at 30, usually 30 days after they've received the product. Um, uh, So yeah, my advice always would be know your refund policy, especially um, yeah. your warranties, your cancellation policies. Those are some great things to just think about. And it's okay if you don't have one. You just need to disclose you don't have one, uh, mm-hmm. but figure it out yourself. What works for you and, and what you offer.
0: That's a good point because they may not be prepared to create one right then. But you can well at least consciously acknowledge that you don't have one, so that <laughs> that people buying that that may either be become a helpful trigger to create one. But the starting point is just call it out. You don't have
2: it. Absolutely. And I think a lot of people want to provide a refund policy by default, which makes them all stressed out. I I don't know what to do. Like, you know, doesn't everyone offer a refund policy? And yes, like you, you remember the refund policy because you appreciate that as a human. Like I I buy stuff from a place that has a good refund policy in case I don't like what I receive, but sometimes you're offering things to this world that it doesn't really make sense to have a refund policy. Uh, And it's escaping me a good example right now. I'm sure I'll think of a hundred later, but um, you don't have to have one. What's most important is you say you don't have one so that users can make the best decision for themselves. Food. Food. That's a great one. (laughs) Things that expire. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Well, I have one very important question. This has nothing to do with privacy policy or e-commerce, but I was looking at your website and looking at the about page. I always loved reading about pages and I see that, and this is for you, Hans, that Donata enjoys beekeeping, hunting for morel. I think I'm saying that right. Morel mushrooms and walks with her fiance and two dogs. Now I'm assuming you probably, yeah, you, you like walking with Donata too and your two dogs. Did the beekeeping and hunting for mushrooms since you said you also enjoy that was that through osmosis or were you tied together one day when you were out beekeeping while hunting for mushrooms
2: it was it's the latter we both wrote up basically what we had done in the last couple days and like it just kind (laughs) of stuck that's awesome you're the only person who's ever called me out on that too so (laughs) Happy wife, happy life.
1: Yeah, yeah. I couldn't. I, I I thought maybe, you know, I thought, okay, that's that was good. You you covered yourself well there on the end. So and yes, we are engaged. Yeah, I see that.
3: Yeah. Yeah, yeah we're definitely like clearly talking about each other. Yeah, that's
2: awesome. No, we have we have a lot of fun together. We work from home and yeah. we, we have a nice like uh, forest preserve next to us that we find ourselves in every day. So yeah. it's nice. That's fantastic.
1: Very cool. All righty. Well announcements. And I know that you, I I guess I could probably have you on every week and you'd have an announcement with all the changes, (laughs) but we could do a formal announcement on something that recently changed that you might think might be important for people to know about.
3: Sure. Um, So I think something that people need to know about is that the California Consumer Privacy Act, uh, which is a new privacy law um, protecting the personal information of Californians is going to be um, start to be enforced on July 1st by the California Attorney General. Um, and the California Attorney General, after being asked a bunch of times, said that COVID is not moving that enforcement date any later. Um, and we've actually already seen a few um, private lawsuits concerning the California Consumer Privacy Act because that went into effect January 1st. Um, so before July 1st, make sure you got that privacy policy all figured out. Uh, because that's when the AG will start
2: enforcing it. Um, I, I don't really have too profound of announcements. I would definitely say that um, you know, over the last six months, we've had seven states propose their own unique privacy bills, and then we had a pandemic occur, which um, certainly paused things um, mm. in legislation, um, except for California um, and a few states actually have added added bills. But I think after this whole experience, more people are going to be online. I think there's going to be more demand for privacy. And it's, you have this amazing opportunity right now to take the time to learn about it, which is, it's just like anything else in life. It's, it's confusing and intimidating until you learn it. And then it's really not that bad. Mm. Um, and I would just invite anyone, like now's the time to be proactive uh, rather than be reactive. And um, that can that comes by very rarely, at least from my experience.
0: That's a great way, I think, to think about it. Is there's opportunity for you to provide more value to the customers that you serve, especially in the world of e-commerce, and being proactive and learning a bit more about it now uh, can help you provide more value and also save pain later.
2: Amen. Yeah.
1: Jonathan, anything um, exciting going over? You know, on on it. Woo, always, always. Uh, you mentioned
0: uh, WooCommerce payments and at the beginning that uh, we're really happy with how that's going so far. Uh, we've got big plans and, and intentions for it and um, it's now out of beta and um, had a lot of positive feedback so far. But yeah, a lot of things happening. A lot of things happen on the Woo community side. Meetups are growing. As you can imagine, there's been a, a stronger than normal, like Woo is always, it's been growing steadily for a long time, but the past few months, like there's been a pretty sharp escalation of interest um, from a lot of different perspectives. So we're doing our best to keep up and uh, just keep the the product and platform going. So, always always good things happening. We're going to be at WordCamp Europe, at in air quotes, mm-hmm. <laughs> in a couple of weeks here with a virtual booth. So, if uh, even if you're not uh, in Europe, it's a good good thing to check out. That's all I got, Bob.
1: Well, great show. I I knew I'm I'm it was I was so anxious to get you two on here. And where can people find? You know, where's the best place to find you,
2: both of you on the web? So I'm on Twitter, uh, Deep Space Hans, uh, Deep Space H-A-N-S.
3: And you can probably find me on LinkedIn. Just search Donata and you'll find me. Um, And all of our social media is at Termageddon. Um, So Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, it's just at Termageddon. Um, So you can always get in touch with one of us there too. All
1: righty. Well, I'd like to thank the sponsors once again, recapture.io for your email marketing and card abandonment, woocommerce.com, just because then you can hang out with Jonathan and wpactivitylog.com. Keep on top of your site. And then, of course, I will have links into um, Termageddon. Check it out. Uh, Definitely, it's almost like to me now, if you have an e-commerce store and you don't, you're not connected to Termageddon, you gotta you gotta get on it. So you can find this, you know, podcast on all your favorite apps. You can sign up for my news or listen to my news podcast and you can become a friend of do the woo. I just wanna thank you both for joining us today. It was excellent having you on.
2: Thank you for having us. You both asked a lot of really good questions yeah. today. Thank you.